1: From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both
0: certified integrative nutrition health coaches and together with our community, we are learning to live our
1: most courageous lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness, and empower you to feel your absolute best. Join us as we in our community share our courageous wellness. On today's episode, we have an inspiring and moving conversation with Stephanie Gibbs Winkler, author, illustrator, and Rett Syndrome Awareness Educator and Advocate. Stephanie shares her journey of raising and losing her daughter, Tiffany Nina Simone Hayes, due to complications with Rett syndrome in 2011. She shares how mental health plays a part in raising a child born with a rare neurological disorder and shares her hope-filled story with us today.
0: Stephanie is also the author of The Best Girlfriends Ever, inspired by Tiffany's own journey with Rett syndrome. Stephanie wrote the book as a way to fill a void from Tiffany's passing and bring awareness to Rett syndrome. The plot of the book involves Tiffany's real life friends accompanying her on a summer adventure rhett syndrome is a debilitating neurological disorder that predominantly affects females it is the leading genetic cause of severe impairment in girls brought on by a single gene mutation that leads to underproduction of an important brain protein october is also rhett syndrome month we are grateful to stephanie for her courage and spirit and hope you enjoy the episode
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Ned. Ned produces the highest quality full-spectrum CBD from organic hemp plants sourced entirely from an independent farm in Colorado. Erica and I discovered Ned when co-founder Adrian Zimmerman was a guest on our show. We were both really impressed with the products after trying them. One of the things that really stood out to both of us was the transparency of the brand. Ned actually shares third-party lab results, who their farmers are, and details of the extraction process directly with their consumers. We strive to be informed consumers and Ned makes the process really accessible. I have become a dedicated user of Ned products and have been able to replace my monthly use of ibuprofen to manage period discomfort with Ned's Natural Cycles collection of salves, tinctures, and roll-ons. This collection is slow crafted with love from an extraordinary group of women and provides a more holistic anti-inflammatory and natural pain relief option. So Erica, what's your favorite?
0: My favorite NED product is definitely their full spectrum hemp oil. And I personally use the 750 milligram tincture. When I consistently take it, I notice a huge difference in my anxiety, sleep and general mood. In addition to the tincture I also really love applying the hemp infused body butter to my neck and shoulders before bed it helps me relax soothes aches and pains and allows me to wind down at the end of the day Ned is also now offering an immunity blend tincture that we are consistently taking this blend naturally supports our immune system and combines botanicals herbs and fungi to offer functional immune support 100% 100% of profits are also donated to Health Alliance to support their fight against pandemics and promotion of conservation. If you want to check out NED and try their products and their CBD for yourself, we have a special offer for the Courageous Wellness audience. Go to www.helloned.com slash podcast. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash C-W podcast to get 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Thank you, Ned. We know you're going to love it. You can also find the direct link in our show notes and check out all of their wellness products. We have an exciting new discount for our listeners with Four Sigmatic.
1: Erica uses the Lion's Mane in her morning superfood coffee. And even though I hate mushrooms, I absolutely love the products, especially the matcha latte powder, which contains my mushrooms and adaptogens. For 10% off Four Sigmatic products, visit foursigmatic.com and use the code COURAGEOUS at checkout. And there's also a direct link in our show notes. Well, welcome, Stephanie. Thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, we're really, we're really looking forward to this conversation with you. And um, just to get us started, can you tell us and our listeners a little bit about your personal journey and how that's led you to the work that you do now?
2: Oh, my personal journey, I, I had my first child, which was Tiffany, um, which most people consider late in life at the age of 34. I got, I was, Pregnant at the age of 34, and um, I was, you know, all happy about it. Um, I felt healthy. I don't, I'm not a smoker, I'm not a drinker, you know, I, I was, you know, not a wild child or anything. Moved to South Carolina, and I was just really mellow, and, you know, was in a relationship, um, a, a long term relationship. And at the age of 34, you know, we found out I was, you know, I was pregnant. Um, after I went in to see uh, my doctor um, he felt because of my age I should have an, an amniocentesis mm-hmm. and that came back um, the news he gave me was he said that um, they found some things that Tiffany may be um, autistic and so okay we you know we dealt with that and um, went to the doctor continued to see my doctor and then when Tiffany was born Um, of course, you know, they put you, you know, put her in her arms and, um, I was like, she doesn't look like she has autism, but Tiffany wasn't doing well in the hospital and she stayed an extra couple of days. Um, my journey just as just being a mother of a child with, um, special needs was I had just to learn a whole new language. It was nothing. Um, I expected, I didn't expect it. Um, when she was born, actually, when she was born, Um, she had just a few, uh, mild things going on and they released her a a couple of days later and, but we did not see the signs of Rett syndrome until maybe six to eight months later. Mm -hmm. Um, that's when everything started to change. And then I was working at a law firm, um, and I, I had to go find all these doctors and neurologists and all these specialists, but the journey was it was unexpected. I had to learn a new language. Um, I walked around in a daze. I mean, I literally walked around like a fog for the first first year and a half, um, not knowing what to do. It, it, it was just it was just really just like walk sleepwalking. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't cry. I didn't because you know as a New Yorker you know, that thing. We don't cry. We don't, you know, that's the whole thing. You know, you are not, we're not cry babies. So I didn't cry. I didn't show any emotion. I just kind of walked through it. Um, Tiffany's father did not take it well. Mm-hmm. Um, um, he was kind of just silent and I found that I had to do everything by myself. And, um, that, that was the journey just not knowing what to do, but knowing I had to do something mm. because she was such a sweet little girl. So that was just my journey—just not knowing what to do, not knowing what to expect, but knowing I had to do something because that mother, that mother instincts just automatically kicks in.
0: Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Can you tell us what is Rett syndrome for anybody who's listening who isn't oh, familiar?
2: Wow. Oh my goodness! Yeah, Rett syndrome. Rett syndrome is a neurological. Disorder that is is found predominantly in girls. Um, There are small cases in boys. Um, I've only in my lifetime, just me myself speaking to parents, I've only known of three boys that's ever had Rett syndrome. But it is a it is a neurological disorder that um, is is mostly predominantly in girls. Mm. And what it is is almost like um, having your child have Um, MS, um, autism, um, any kind of brain injury is all of that mixed up into just one ball of a disorder. Um, Some children that I have met, uh, they, um, and some parents that I've talked to, their daughters um, go along fine for the first year or two, three years, and then they regress. So it's a brain disorder that wipes away everything. Your ability to walk, talk, to breathe properly. Some children have seizures. Um, They develop a hand movement that um, Tiffany started to develop um, as young as eight to nine months. She first started pulling on her cheek and then she started to wring her hands to the point where it started to get calluses on them. So it is a repetitive hand movement. Um, In Tiffany's case, she never learned to walk. After she sat up, that was it. She never learned to walk nor did she want to learn because after she um, was not able to no longer speak, her last words were, no, or help me, you know? And um, so Tiffany, everything, was um, backtracked and everything was regressed. Tiffany no longer, I have pictures of her at her first birthday party, eating her birthday cake. And a year later, she's not able to use her hands to eat or hold a fork or a spoon. Mm. So it's it's a neurological disorder.
1: Mm. Thank you for sharing that. I know, you know, this must be one of, if not the most, the hardest thing I feel like a person can deal with, especially when you're, um, it's your child. And I I think that's something you're saying, like it's unexpected, but I don't, I don't even know how one could potentially expect to prepare for that kind of, for that kind of experience. Um, you know, and so I think it's, it's pretty amazing now that having gone through something that was probably the most painful thing a human can go through, Mm -hmm. you, you've been able to like help others. Like you've really created so much value because it's not something that you've shied away from. In fact, it's something that you've moved towards in the way that you are able to like create awareness about this Mm -hmm. and then help empower other parents who are also, um, also dealing with Rett syndrome within Mm -hmm. their own children. Mm -hmm. Um, So something that you had mentioned to us when we were first sort of becoming aware of this in your story was that your um, experience as a parent going through this too, you had to really learn how to prioritize your own well-being and your own mental mm-hmm. health, because that's got to mm-hmm. be a massive component of the experience. On top of yeah. take care, like caretaking yeah. for your child. Mm-hmm. So, can you tell us a little bit about that? Like, how when you were in this position where you're really taking on all of this responsibility, um, that is just sort of thrown your way that nobody really can ever expect to prepare for? How do you? how do you move through that and how do you take how were you able to take care of yourself in that journey as well while full time it,
2: it took a long time to do that it it took a long time to really um it, it's almost like you have to you have it, it was it took steps because you were first in denial i didn't want to see it I didn't want to see it. I just, no, it's just, it's just something. It's just a fluke. It, 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 she'll get better. Then, I, then being angry with God. Mm-hmm. Then it was like, man, I was really angry with God. And then, um, I was blaming myself because I was always going, even before Tiffany was born, I wasn't happy about who I was as a person. And I thought, having a child with a disability was one more thing I did wrong in life. It was like one more thing to prove that, man, I I have no value.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And so I I took on that whole blame and I had to realize until I got right with myself and I got right with God, that I wasn't, I wasn't going to make it to the other side. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I was going to fail Tiffany So I had to get right with myself and forgive myself and let her father go, even let her, even let my relationship go and not be angry with him. I just had to let him go. So once I let him go because he was so angry, I was able to take Tiffany and move on. That was the first step to my mental health. My mental health was I had to cut ties with everybody and everything that was giving me any kind of negativity, I had to take all of that and just put it to the side. That didn't mean that I did it out of, I didn't love them. That I always said it it was me first. I had to put me first. And then that way I can give everything to Tiffany. And it was a breath of fresh air because once I took Tiffany and I moved away, I left her father. And I only went four miles away. <laughs> it was like, I did, it's like, oh, I hate, you know, it was, th- the relationship was, look, just give me some space. Let me take care of Tiffany. You take care of yourself. And let's see where we are in a couple of months into a year. Um, that was the, fr- and then when I moved into my apartment, I had no furniture. I had nothing. We had nothing, <laughs> but one one i don't even think we had a bed we moved into an apartment with nothing but a mirror and i remember the mirror that we had that i put tiffany in front of the mirror and i put myself in front of the mirror and i said this is peace Mm. this is what peace is and i told tiffany i promise you things will get better and everything did get better it just was able to that i just had to forgive myself and I had to block out the negativity, and I think that was the first form of the mental health mm-hmm. um, and everything did everything just got better and it just you know i was I got a job, I finished college um i I got a job i I started to do the things that brought me joy and um I just started to stop mourning Tiffany as she, if she was already dead. Mm. That was another thing with the mental health I had to stop mourning the ret syndrome stop mourning her and keeping her away from people that said oh you know i'm so sorry you know you know this you know good things happen to good you know bad things happen to good people kind of the woe is me and i know people meant well you know i know people meant well but i had to embrace what was beautiful about tiffany And let that blossom. And I think every day, I know every day was, it was phenomenal. I think being, I I always say, I don't think I would, if Tiffany could come back for an hour, I wouldn't change her. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to. I think that was the best time of my life. That 14 year period was the best time of my life. And I, and I think that's what I, I tried to. Um, and still in parents is that you have your child right here and you need to celebrate your child just where they are and who they are in the moment.
0: Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. so, it's so beautiful. And thank you so much for sharing this. Cause I think, right, like we all feel so alone in whatever our struggles are because, Mm -hmm. and that's why we created this platform because people don't Mm -hmm. share you know, as a society, right, we're supposed to just show the highlight reel, right? Like what life is supposed to be life, but Mm -hmm. it's not. And I think, you know, you bring up such a great point, right? Like you got to have these incredible 14 years with your daughter Mm -hmm. once you stopped Mm -hmm. mourning that she was already gone. And it reminds me of something. It's different, but we just did an episode recently with, um, uh, this woman who at age 50 had a stroke in her spinal cord and mm-hmm. um, became paralyzed from the waist down and is mm-hmm. you know now potentially paralyzed in, for the rest of her life. Wow. And she said something that was really interesting that's really stuck with me that reminds me of what you just said, where she said it made her realize we're all just temporarily abled, right? Like yeah. we're all just temporarily abled. Mm-hmm. And like you're saying, it's like you because of i think the incredible person that you are cuz you know and now you're doing all this work to help encourage other parents going through the same mm-hmm. thing you mm-hmm. know even parents who have like you know children that don't have a special need or mm-hmm. or are born with a disease that doesn't guarantee right we're all just living this yeah. finite existence mm-hmm. and so the way just you describing that experience for yourself right where you're like i was mourning my daughter who was alive right and that change is what like fundamentally Mm. shifted something in you I Mm -hmm. think that's really powerful for like that's powerful for me hearing that I'm sure powerful for anyone listening because
2: I had her whole life planned when I found out I was pregnant I was like oh my gosh I'm pregnant and then when the doctor told me I was having a girl I was like yes and I had all planned out I said she's gonna go to Spelman in Atlanta (laughs) she's gonna play volleyball and baseball and do karate and she's going to do this and she's going to do that. My mother had already um, started a college fund for her. And um, and then the doctor tells you that that's not going to happen. She's going to pledge AKA. I already knew that Danielle, she's going <laughs> to pledge AKA. And it was just, I had all of this planned and who knew by the time she was four that I was going to be wheeling her in a wheelchair down the other side of the corridor from the other side of the school where they have the children with special needs and I'm not going this way I'm going the other way and that's also a metaphor that we all expect to go through life going the one road we always have planned but it could change at any time and it can shift at any moment and you're going down this road and it's just like like this dear this Ann Landers Column Like, you know, back in the day, I read and it said that um, uh, this lady thought, you know, her in life, she thought that she was going to go to Paris, but she ended up in, um, you know, she ended up in Sweden. You know, not that Sweden is not nice, but Paris is to everyone like, oh, Paris is, you know, the ultimate place. But she didn't know she was gonna end up in Sweden, and that uh, that article always stepped, you know, it always stuck with me. Yeah. Um, in regards to how I dealt with Tiffany, um, we thought we were gonna end up, you know, go to Paris, but <laughs> we ended up in Detroit. <laughs> yeah. You know, so but it's you know, it's it's what you make it. Is life, mm-hmm. life is life was what you make it, and I decided right then I told people, just stop mourning her, stop feeling sorry for her. Stop feeling sorry for me and her and just, you know, celebrate who she is and who and what she is right now in life. Cause Tiffany was really funny. She was, to me, she was a comedian. She was funny. She was a snob. She was bougie. (laughs) She was, she was all of these things that she had such a great personality and everyone loved her. All the kids in the neighborhood loved her. Um, That was really Um, just something so phenomenal to see that kids embraced her. Um, They weren't afraid of her. Um, They would fight over her. (laughs) They would, you know, and Tiffany ate that up. Tiffany loved it. And um, it got to the point where if I go pick her up from her, and uh, her teacher's another wonderful person. Her teacher, um, Sherry, Sherry um, just, Took Tiffany home with her for 10 years while I worked two jobs or went back to school. And it got to the point where Tiffany thought Sherry's family was actually her family, and I was just the hired help. You know, and I mean, it was just, you know, I'm the mother, but I'm the hired help. And their family was her family, which I prayed for. And it was just, it's funny, prayer is something because. The first thing I prayed for when um, she was in Dr. Groom's office and Dr. Grooms was a pediatrician and she was awesome woman, an awesome doctor. Um, the first thing I prayed for when she sat me down and she gave me the news was I just said, I-, I want Tiffany to have friends, you know because when I was growing up, even in New York, where it's like eight million people, I was I was so lonely, you know and I just wanted Tiffany to kind of have a life. And kind of friendships that I didn't have growing up because when I was growing up, everything was so um clickish and everything was is based on what you had and what you wore and it was just it was just a traumatic childhood is just someplace I just don't wanna go back again if I could turn the clock back. But I wanted something more for Tiffany and um and she got that, you yeah. know. She got that. She wasn't lonely. My prayers were answered.
1: Yeah. It sounds like you really created that for her. And mm-hmm. and it's you know, it's interesting because I know that like you work with parents and helping parents um mm-hmm. with children with special needs. But I think mm-hmm. like what Erica was saying is really true. What you are talking about is something that anybody listening, whether mm-hmm. they're in that circumstance or not, I think mm-hmm. can really apply to any yeah. any per anything that seems like overwhelmingly challenging mm-hmm. Because what I'm hearing too, is that and and Erica and I the way we met is because we practice um, a type of Buddhism together, and the mm-hmm. whole idea of that philosophy is about really creating value and yeah. oftentimes taking poison and turning it into medicine. And mm-hmm. like I'm hearing your story, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you created so much value not mm-hmm. only in. Tiffany's life and your life, but I'm sure how much it enriched the other people in your community who got to yeah. know her, who got to have this experience with her, like how much value that came out of a situation that was really, um, quite challenging and yeah. painful. And so I just think that's really like inspirational for anybody mm-hmm. listening, whether they can directly relate to that experience or something yeah. different. And it
2: did and it didn't take, and it didn't happen overnight because, um, as I, started to learn more about the disorder. Um, I started to, like you said, I wanted to create an environment and a community for her um, um, because i just felt that was just, just so important. And I didn't want, I, at the end of the day, at the end of my life, no matter wh- when I close my eyes for the last time, I just wanted to know that I I did what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And if it, and in my ch- and going back and getting back into the church and Tiffany's godmother Sherry, which eventually Sherry became Tiffany's godmother, um, she kind of tricked me into going back to church because, like I said, I had been so mad with God. I didn't even have Tiffany baptized. I was like, well, how dare you! not give me the perfect child and now you want me to baptize her. I mean, this is how petty I was with God. But the whole thing was he was like, he it was just like I felt like he never left me, even though I was just that angry. And I just felt, just felt the spirit or just felt just just to breathe, Stephanie, just to breathe and just, you know, just and it and it did. And I I just I enjoyed it. I enjoyed my and it was hard. I don't want to come on and act like everything was rosy. Right. Be, but in, enjoying motherhood, enjoying that part, and I think that's why when Tiffany passed away, um, people thought that I, I would not teach anymore, or that I would stop working with children, and I, I would stop working with children in, in, chi- in the child um, and system pre- and pre-K, and that it would be too hard for me to be around children, which was the opposite, um, dealing with Tiffany made it easy to be around children, mm-hmm. um, and I feel more like a, a mother to the children that I have in my class now. And I and I feel a comfort, and I enjoy going to work. And I told my husband, um, you know, I'm only going to do this about maybe six six more years. He's like, No, you won't. You know, <laughs> he said, you know. But it's just everything in life just lined up, and um, but I just do want to encourage parents. To and I've met some great parents, and I just wanted to encourage them to just keep doing what they're doing. Their children know that they're loved, mm-hmm. you know. That uh, Tiffany may not have been able to ex- verbally express it, but I can see it in her face that she knew she was loved, okay. and um, I, 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 you know, I just knew that yeah. so she was spoiled.
0: (laughs) So can you talk to us too about the work that you now do right with parents who are struggling through what you've experienced and been through? And you also were able to write a book, right? That was inspired by Tiffany. So maybe you can talk to us a little bit about that as well.
2: Well, the, um, five years ago, five years ago after, well, um, Tiffany has been Tiffany has been gone uh, nine with nine years. She passed away in 2011. So um, about two years later, um, and that's how I met Danielle at Columbia Fashion Week. Uh, I was inspired just to start illustrating. The writing came later. Um, I wanted to do something um, because I missed Tiffany so much. I didn't have anything to do with my hands. I just I just felt like my hands, my arms. I had nothing to do. Just nothing to hold, and one day I, you know, I decided to volunteer to get out the house, and um, because my day was just like, what am I gonna do now, (laughs) right? And uh, so I heard about Columbia Fashion Week. I volunteered and um, under a lovely girl, Alicia Ziegler, in Columbia Fashion Week. And then when I went to Columbia Fashion Week, I just started to sketch the models, and then from there, because I always drew, I always had a passion for art. I was really good at it in high school. I was really good at it in elementary school and I was winning all the prizes and everything. I just didn't have enough confidence to go to um, Parsons or FIT. I didn't even apply. I just, that's how low my confidence was that I didn't even bother to apply. Like who's going to want to see my art? And I just went on and I just took jobs that I didn't like um jobs that just paid the bills and i was just unhappy Mm -hmm. um uh that was just my that was just my lack of confidence but again fast forwarding after tiffany passed away i picked up a pen a pencil i started to sketch and it's just like it never left me and i then i started to, to sketch tiffany and then her three best girlfriends, um, and they're lovely girls, they're all grown up now. They're um, Kiera, um, Shania, and Taisha. And those are the three girls um, that took on their, um, a, mother, a mother experience within themselves mm. to mother Tiffany, even at their ages. I started to draw them. And I said, you know, I have a story here. And I went online again, and I met a gentleman, Todd Chiven, who has a who is a book editor, he said, send me your art. He liked it. He said, I'll do your first book for like free. You don't have to pay me anything because you have a story to tell. And I'm like, wow, you know? <laughs> and so that's where it began. I started to minister to parents and I started doing events and going around into the community wherever I could go and talk to mothers and talk to children with special needs and talk to parents with special needs and then I got into contact with the Rett Syndrome Foundation and told, told them my story and they we collaborated. And it's just, I just wanted to tell people about Tiffany and the power of friendship and how friendship is the most healing, the mo- better than medicine. Because when Tiffany was at her sickest, the doctor said, "I I don't usually do this and I usually don't allow children in the hospital but you might wanna get Tiffany's friends up here. And when Tiffany's friends came and they were on the bed and they were reading and they were eating ice cream together, Tiffany's whole demeanor changed. Um, And um, it was just something, and right then it was just the power of friendship. And I just wanted to express that to parents and to express that to children with special needs and then express that to children around my city in the school environment that the power of friendship is the best medicine you can give to someone to fill someone else's bucket. Because when you fill someone else's bucket, your bucket is fill, gets full as well. And, um, and, and that's what I really wanted to do. So the last two years, I've been taking the story and going around and um, going to New York and going to different places and um, going to Atlanta and talking to parents and meeting parents in my, parents' hometown of Baseburg, South Carolina. I even met some parents there with children with Rett syndrome, with girls with Rett syndrome. And um, um, it's just been wonderful, you know, uh, just to remind us, like I said, that, um, you know, we all struggle. We all have disabilities. Like my disability was a lack of confidence. Mm-hmm. That was my disability. Mm-hmm. We all have something that we are Is insecure about all of us. We all walk around needing a crutch or needing something to to make us feel better about ourselves. It could be um, people that get plastic surgery for no, you know, that keep thinking they need it because they don't feel beautiful. Or um, it it just could be anything. Um, Holding on to a grudge, holding on to hate. We all have a disability that holds us back and um i just wanted to just talk to parents about just again loving your children for who they are um they may not be quote unquote perfect but they're perfect and they're enough for themselves you know yeah so the book is the best girlfriends ever um and that was inspired by tiffany and her her crew of sisters um and um we and the book they're called the uh they're called the uh angels they're called the divine sisters and um they were they were i believe that those girls were sent from heaven to to just love on tiffany they came at the right time you know i i just when i prayed for tiffany to have friends in dr groom's office i had no idea that these three girls were gonna show up like they did. No idea, none.
1: That's amazing. And it's it's really cool to see that, you know, you and, and Tiffany have a big mission mm. in this and the, the mm-hmm. mission continues to live on, you know, and grow mm-hmm. into, into your future and mm-hmm. to help others, which is something that, you know, Erica and I were really inspired by. Yeah. Um. So we, you know, we ask, three questions to all of our guests. And I'm curious. Uh, so the first one, I'll, I'll start, but I have like a, a sort of a part two for you. The first one is how, what does your self-care look like on a daily basis? Like how do you take care of yourself now? And um, um, I guess my question is the the second part of that is, I guess, what did that look like for you when you were in a caretaking position, um, and has that evolved now that you are um, less so in a hands-on, but that you're kind of caring now for a broader community.
2: So self care, and my self care is I love myself now. I mean, when even when Tiffany was here, I mean that that whole self confidence kicked in right after Rett, when she was diagnosed with Rett syndrome. That, the, the self-care came when I knew I was going to be a mother. I thought that was the most empowering thing. Um, I just love myself. I, I, some people think I love myself too much. I love myself. I get up every morning and I just say, I just thank you, God, for seeing another day. I love myself. I, you know what I do? I do? I do everything in life that brings me joy. That's my self-care. So I started to illustrate, then I turned that into putting it on clothing, putting that in clothing and, and greeting cards, and I do art. So art and anything creative brings me joy. Getting back into dancing, getting back into all the things that I loved when I was a kid, that's what I do that gives me joy and confidence. And sharing that with children, that gives me confidence um, and brings me joy. Um, the second part, again, as you say, how explain that second part again.
1: Just, like, has it, I guess, has it changed at all? Has that, has your sort of self-care evolved? I I, I mean, in a way, you answered it with, like, mm-hmm. in, you know, adding art into your life, things that bring mm-hmm. you joy on a daily basis and whatever form that's taking in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so,
2: yeah, the self, you know what the self-care is? The self-care for me is just really, because um, I had let myself go. Health-wise, putting everything into Tiffany, um, taking better care of myself, making sure I go to the doctor, making sure um, I eat better. Um, I married uh, my husband, I married my husband. He really found that very important. Like you're doing, drinking more water, just the little things, taking care of myself, um, um, just making sure that um, I stay healthy, um, don't get overwhelmed, don't get stressed, Um, and just, and just really say, be thankful, just Mm. be grateful. Um, a lot of people, again, always say, I'm sorry for the loss of your daughter. Oh, I'm so sorry. But I tell people, you know what? I'm so grateful for the experience. I'm grateful that time I had with Tiffany, because I met a woman that came to my classroom with her best friend to to take a tour of my classroom in the school. And she said to me, you know what? She didn't know that my child passed away. She said, you know what? I came here with my best friend because I never had a child. I wanted to experience taking a tour of a school and she kind of broke down and cried. She said, I was never able to have a baby. And I was just like, wow. She's crying because she never had a baby. She couldn't have one and i had one for 14 years yes. and that's where i always tell people to be grateful because there's someone else who wished they were in your shoes yeah no. i just
0: i think everything you shared has just impacted me and touched me so much because it's so true and everybody has something, right? Like everybody Mm -hmm. has something. And with certain people, you can see it, right? If it's Mm a disability, but other people Mm -hmm. have diseases that you can't Mm -hmm. see or sufferings that you can't see right at home with their families, internal strife. And I just think, again, this shift of, you know, what you've been able to do by taking care of yourself, taking care of your Mm -hmm. daughter and spreading that light to all these Mm. different families, right? Because Mm. it's not easy. Life is just not easy, but it's, it's how we are able to work through like it's how you, you work health.
2: through it you know it's exactly. how you work through it it's how you um it's how you approach it it's how you see it you you're either going to wake up and I always use this metaphor you are either going to get you're going to wake up you're either going to stay in the corner or you're going to be like Muhammad Ali and you're just going to come out <laughs> swinging yeah, you just absolutely. you know that's how you say that and that's how every day because it was days that I did break down and cry there were days that I would go I would be in a classroom and go in the closet and just break down and cry because that, that month or that week, or dealing with social security, dealing with her medical payments, dealing with, it was just everything that I had to take on myself that some days having to work two jobs. I had to, I had to work two jobs. And then finagle um, all this and everything dealing with, her father keeping him calm and keep, you know feeling that I'm have to keep my mother calm keep everybody calm and that was a, a something sometimes a little bit stressful and um and sometimes you know I didn't take care of myself um one time I had like it, it was just I, I would I passed out at the hospital yeah. because I was just that stressful you know, um, it, and you know, I can laugh about it now, but I was standing in the middle of the hospital. Tiffany was having um, really bad seizures that they admit her. And I was just, next thing I know, I just, I passed out. Yeah, And um, it, it's just because you hold all that in. And another thing for self-care, I had to learn to cry. I had to learn to say, it's okay, Stephanie, who are you being strong for?
0: Right. You yep. know,
2: that New York mentality, you know, throw it out the window. Cry if you want to. Yeah, you know, and 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 I did. You know, so that's another self care. And I tell the kids in my cl- classroom, "You want to cry, go ahead, cry. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that."
0: Here's no, a that's so sure. important. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> like you
2: know, I tell the boys to cry. If you want to cry, go cry. It's it's okay. You need a hug. You go cry. You know, it's like it's, it's okay. You yeah. know, to not to be ashamed to show your emotions. If you're not feeling it. Just say, look, guys, I'm not feeling it today. Uh, Just that's self-care. putting Putting yourself first, you know.
0: Absolutely. Well, the next question that we always ask is, um, and I'm also going to put a twist on it for you, because we always ask, like, is there a particular book that has been inspirational to you along your journey? It can be on any topic. But also the twist I'd like to put on it is, were there any resources or any resources that were also particularly impactful to you throughout your journey?
2: I would have to say Helen Keller, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: her autobiography. That was it. Yeah. Um, Oh my God. I I don't even want to cry. I would, I would have to say Helen Keller, um, just her story and her parents. Mm -hmm. Um, Just, I've, I've seen the movie before and then I read the book. Um, I read the book again in college, um, and then I would have to. It, it just—it was just me. I could see myself um, in there, and in that time, mm-hmm. in in that era, where they grew up, where when she was what she was blind, she couldn't speak, um, and I think was it was it the early the late eighteen hundreds. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember, but in that time. Um, they encouraged, the pa- their parents were encouraged to put her away, to inst- institutionalize her. And unfortunately, uh, up until the 1960s, girls with Rett syndrome, from my understanding, for what I was told, was they were institutionalized. Wow. And her parents said, no. No. And um, that story has so inspired me. And... Um, The poem "Splendor in the Grass" um, by Wordsworth. That poem is just that. Just speaks to me wholeheartedly. That's just you know looking at the splendor of the grass, you know, and how we just need to see the see the world. And so that book, that book right there, I would have to say two books: um, the autobiography of Frederick Douglass because his struggle of never giving up, and then you know Helen Keller um it's just it's just and the bible mm-hmm. you know just reading that because um uh, unfortunately when you're a child and you're going to church um you're going to church because you're told to go mm-hmm. but after tiffany i just learned that the bible it just talks about every day it talks about your confidence it talks about that you are enough it talks about forgiveness it talks about um getting up again when you fall down, you're getting up again. It talks about breaking through barriers, breaking the chains, breaking um, whatever's going on in your family. You're going to break that, and just um, and and I just applied that to my life. Just having a, a great pastors and great women and great women in the community, and um, and every year I give back by doing the Best Girlfriends Ever Honors Award. I just honor people you, you don't have to be famous to do it honor people in your community say thank you thank you for doing because there were so many people that inspired me um i didn't get here by myself the average everyday women and men that said stephanie you can do this yeah you know you got this you can do this um looking at people like danielle not having any fear if she didn't show it leap of faith girl from south carolina Goes to New York, you know, leap, leap, and she made it. You know, that's that's the people I gravitate towards. Um, that and she's younger than me, and it makes no difference. It's just like that's inspiring, and that's the people you want to be around, and you want to keep change, um, change your, uh, the people that say I can't do it. I just say change your environment, change your circle. You know, I had to change my circle. And that's that's basically it.
1: Thank you. Well, yeah, thanks. Really good advice. And then the um last the last thing we ask is, what does it what does being courageous mean to you? Um being
2: courageous is not being afraid to be yourself. Um I was afraid to be myself. I always felt like I had to meet other people's expectations um, all my life. And if I didn't meet this standard, um, uh, it's just that I was a failure. And when I learned um, just to be myself, when I worked at the law firm and I went up to, um, and I hope he doesn't mind me saying his name, because he's another one that he just really influenced, influenced me great lawyer in Columbia, South Carolina, James, James McLaren. And I asked him, I went to his office and I said, are you happy with what you do in life? And, um, he said, I love it. And I said, good. You know, that's when I knew I wanted to be an artist Mm -hmm. and anything else, working behind a desk, working for someone else, doing what I don't want to do. I was working for him because I had to, I had to make a living. And, um, but he enjoyed what he did and he's good at it. And he helps the community. And I wanted to be like that. And the only way I could be like that is to be myself. And once I learned to be myself, that's when a whole new me, a whole new confidence. Um, Again, a lot of people didn't like the new Stephanie. And a lot of people don't like you when they can't push your buttons. Absolutely absolutely and i got a lot of you know um who do you think you are or you know a lot just i'm stephanie yeah you know i started a style page i wanted to do that with fashion and um teaching women how to who are on a budget like i was when i was with tiffany how to dress um you don't have to let yourself go because you're raising a child with special needs. Remember, like you said, your mental health and your health comes first. Mm. If you are not healthy, how are you going to help your child? Mm. How are you going to help anybody if you are depressed and you're not getting your hair done or you're not take one thing that you love and just, and do it for me is getting my nails done. And, um, I'm, I'm just going to do that every two or three weeks, even with the pandemic. I was like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> ah, you know, I can do my own hair. But, you know, um, but just to answer the question, being courageous to me is being who you are and loving who you are mm. every day of the week, every minute of the day. Love who you are. And I love Stephanie Gibbs Winkler. Love. I love
0: that. Love no. that yeah. mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I just feel like there's so much inspiration in this episode. I think Allie and I are so okay. inspired and Thank I know you. all of our listeners will be too. So if anyone wants to get in touch, uh, find your book, find you, where on the internet can they find you?
2: Um, I, I have a website. It is Tiffany, um, Tiffany is org. You can find me on Facebook under Stephanie gives Winkler. Uh, my last name, my maiden name is G-I-V-E-S, like give, um, Winkler, W-I-N-C-K-L-E-R. So you can find me on Facebook. Um, you can find me on um, Instagram, Stephanie Gibbs Style, um, or author, Stephanie uh, Stephanie Gibbs Winkler. The first annual South Carolina uh Red Syndrome Strollathon will take place Saturday October the 24th. Um you can go to that link and you can go www.south/carolina.strollathon.org. Um and it's going to be virtual because of the pandemic. Um and anybody is welcome to come um you know contact me um if you want to learn more about it but um we're gonna work we're gonna wear purple we're gonna go out and walk that day um we're gonna do some other virtual events and it should be fun um and you know i'm I'm sorry the pandemic you know it just um it it has totally uh put everybody on another course um because safety is first yeah so we wanted to do it virtually so um
0: well, but we'll this will be the first that. annual.
2: Yeah, it'll be yeah. the first annual um South Carol South Carolina Rett Syndrome Strollathon. And next year, uh, uh you know, hopefully each year will get bigger and bigger and um you know, I'm happy to do it. No one in South Carolina has done it yet. Wow. And that was another thing about courage is like I, you know, I'm going to do it. You know, yeah. no one in South Carolina has represented Rett Syndrome Um, We're doing it for the girls and the boys and um, just doing it for all the children that live with this disorder, you know, every day.
1: Well, thank you again so much for joining us.
2: Thank you. Thank you for
1: having me. You guys are awesome. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week